we're so aware this morning that we're so aware that God wants to speak to us and we're so aware that there's a lot going on around us and so we're just believing that God's going to quieten our hearts and uh, just that we might really hear his voice this morning. Our title today is Your Shepherd King Loves You. But we just feel today we want to really talk about Jesus being our Shepherd King and not only a Shepherd King uh, but a Shepherd King who loves you and that makes all the difference. And in Isaiah 40, I just saw early this morning, and it really warmed my heart again, we've been going through the Gospel of John. And if you remember, the Gospel of John starts off at the very beginning, where, uh, where, where, the, where John wrote, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John went on to write about John the Baptist, and how he was going to come and prepare the way for the Lord. And it just struck me this morning, that Isaiah 40 says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And how every valley would be um, exalted and every mountain would be brought low and the crooked places would be made straight uh, so that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And we're going to look at John 10 today and we're going to see something of the glory of the Lord being revealed. Because John the Baptist was a forerunner he went ahead to prepare the way and I was I couldn't help but think this morning it's almost like John the Baptist was throwing out the red carpet right from the Old Testament right from Isaiah 40 and long before it but especially in, in, in Isaiah 40 it's like the red carpet's being thrown out to say he's coming the Messiah, the one who's been promised is coming and it goes on to say how the breath of the Lord it says the grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Isn't that an amazing statement? And then it goes on to say, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem. You who bring glad tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Now listen to this. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. That's the kind of shepherd that we have. That's the shepherd who was promised right back from Isaiah, right back from the Old Testament. And this is the, the shepherd that John uh, was, was running before him to say, make way for the coming of the Lord. So I just wanted to start off with that. The other point I wanted to make about this shepherd was, not only is he a shepherd who wants to gather us in his arms and love upon us, but he is a shepherd who is a king. And sometimes we forget about that. This was the king, and we're going to see that as we go through today. We're going to see where we get little glimpses of, of, of his deity and his, his godhood and his kingship as the, the, royal, the royal one, the one who came to be king of kings and lord of lords. And Song of Solomon is a wonderful book because it talks about how the shepherd king in the Song of Solomon loved the bride so much. And we need to remember we are greatly loved. And if you're here today and you're going through a tough time, you need to remember that, that, that God is not only your shepherd who will look after you and lead you and guide you and lift you in his arms, but he's also the one who loves you. He's the, the tender lover. He's the, the king, the shepherd king who loves his bride. And he really loves you and me. So we need to remember those things. Uh, but there's an awful lot to get through today. And I'm trusting that we will get through it and that the Holy Spirit will speak as we go through this because there's, I think there's tremendous tenderness and encouragement and comfort through this word today. And so we're going to trust the Lord to do that because Jesus had come, John the Baptist had welcomed him. And over the recent weeks, we've seen how he came and he walked among men and how uh, men were constantly coming against him and trying to push him down and would not listen to him. And we've seen that over recent weeks. Uh, and I suppose what really struck me this week was how that Jesus 
In John's Gospel, he uses ordinary things to describe himself so that we'll understand better what he's really like and who he's like, who he is and why he came to this world. And if you remember way back in John chapter 6, do you remember he said, I am the bread of life? Now the reason that he, he used that phrase was because in biblical times, bread was a staple diet. And in fact, it was often referred to bread was the staff of life. It was a staple diet. And so whenever Jesus fed 5,000 hungry men, plus the women and children, he was practically demonstrating, he was given a practical illustration as to how he was the one who could feed. He was the source of life. Bread was life to people. And he was given a practical demonstration of his power that he was the one who held life and John, we, we needn't go back to these chapters because we've done them before, but John 6 reminds us of that beautiful story as to how he fed all these people, but he was actually demonstrating that he was the source of life. He was the one who could feed us and keep us alive. In him was life, it says in John chapter 1, verse 4. So Jesus talked in the, you know, in the beginning of the book of John about him being the bread of life. But then he also, and over recent weeks we've seen this, he said, not only I am... I am the bread of life. But he said, I am the light of the world. And over this past week, I'm sure you're sick of listening to me talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, but for three days they had all the lights shining throughout. Jerusalem was flooded with light during this festival because it was to remind the people that God is light and that he's the bringer of light and that he was coming. Jesus, God was sending his son, the Messiah, Jesus, to bring light to a dark world. Because there were, two, there were two kingdoms. The kingdom of light belongs to God and the kingdom of darkness belongs to the evil one. And so God was announcing to the world and as this, this uh, festival of tabernacles was being played out, this was a moment in history where it would come into its own, where people would see what, uh, what, what it really meant, the, the fulfillment of it that had been blasted out for centuries and centuries and centuries. Finally, the moment had come when the light, the light of the world had come. And that's why Jesus took his moment after the light of the, the Feast of Tabernacles and he stood up and he said, I am the light of the world. And so we reminded ourselves of that over recent weeks. And then do you remember he healed that blind man and he brought light to him. This, that blind man was not going to sit in darkness any longer. When Jesus healed him, he changed his life. That's what he wants to do with your life and mine. He wants to change your life. That blind man was sitting begging and he had no hope and he had no purpose. But when Jesus came and whenever he received Jesus as his saviour, everything changed. He was able to see. He had light in his life. He was able to see. Blind eyes could see and he could begin to understand things he couldn't understand before. And he had a purpose. He had a purpose to live. And so one encounter with Jesus can change your life. This man would no longer sit in darkness and of course even that had been prophesied Isaiah 29 says in that day the deaf will hear and out of the gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see it was told away back in the Old Testament Jesus came and fulfilled all of this but the problem was that we saw last week and the week before as well that the religious leaders who should have been able to see and understand the scriptures they said that they had spiritual sight but they were actually blind. And, and we saw over the last few weeks, they argued and they would not receive Jesus as the Messiah. They would not believe that he had even healed this blind man. They, they were totally opposed to Jesus. And we saw that a blind man, a simple man who didn't know anything, gained his sight. And that the religious leaders who should have known so much actually ended up being spiritually blind. And that often seems to be the way. People who are proud, people who won't listen, people who think they know it all, miss the kingdom of God. Because we have to humble ourselves and we have to come to Jesus just the way this blind man came to him. Now we're going to start now and we're going to look at John chapter 10. I just want to read one little phrase for a moment. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so, uh, over the last um, over the last 
uh, weeks we have seen how Jesus was coming against these religious leaders. They had no time for him. They wouldn't listen to him. They were anti-Jesus. And now he makes this announcement. And it's almost like he's saying, right, there's going to be a new order of things. It's almost like he's coming in with a new order. And there's a guy called John Corson who has a commentary and he says that when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was speaking of a new order, a new fold, a new flock of which the once blind man would be a part. Isn't that amazing? That the, those of us who are weak and blind and who, who, need, who, who know we need to come to Jesus for salvation, who know we need to come for help, we can be part of this new order that had been prophesied right from the beginning of our Bible. And so as he moved among these people, amongst all of this hostility, Jesus was actually giving a new, a new revelation of his identity and his mission. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, this was the fulfillment of the Old Testament because you remember, everybody knows Psalm 23, don't we? The Lord is my shepherd. And so David had written about the Lord being his shepherd in the Old Testament and had spoken so beautifully. I was sitting beside someone who was ill yesterday and we just spoke those words together. And as I began to speak, the Lord is my shepherd. In all her weakness, she began to just join me and speak with me. You see... So many people know those beautiful words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love that psalm and you know, it would be great if we could go into that psalm because there's so many beautiful truths in it about how Jesus loves us as our shepherd. But we, we haven't time to go right into it. But all I'm going to say is that, um, that Jesus was coming as a shepherd of the Old Testament and he was coming with a, a new order. He was coming with a fulfillment of prophecy. And we're going to uh, read a little bit now. We're going to read the first ten verse, first six verses of chapter 10. Let me just read it to you. This is Jesus speaking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens... And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. You see, Jesus was reminding the people that he was the shepherd, but he was reminding them that there was a, an old enemy who was a thief and a robber, one who would try and deceive them, one who would try to enter uh, through, into the sheepfold the wrong way. Uh, he was referring, of course, to Satan. He was referring, of course, to the devil who has been our enemy from the beginning of time. And so Jesus was speaking about the enemy but Jesus was saying that he was the true shepherd and he was the true shepherd who would and would, was going to give his life for the sheep. Now, here's an interesting thing. In biblical times, whenever the shepherds moved the sheep on to new pastures, you know the way shepherds had to keep them moving in order to keep getting fresh grass? Because one of the jobs that the shepherd has was to feed the sheep. And uh, when he would have moved the sheep on to fresh pastures, uh, when, when they came to a new part, where they, a new area, they would leave the sheep uh, in a, the care of a, a porter. You often, sometimes in some of the translations you hear a porter mentioned. That means that, that all the shepherds came and they left their sheep with this one porter who watched over them all night and made sure that no thief would get in over the top of the wall and kill or destroy the sheep. But here's the thing I wanted to say to you. In the morning, now I read this somewhere, this is not just me making this up, I read this somewhere, somebody who knows a little bit about sheep. Apparently in the morning, whenever the shepherds would come back then to the porter to collect their sheep, it was even though the sheep were all mixed up in the fold, they were all through each other, 
There was no problem because each shepherd had their own particular call. So each shepherd made their call, whatever that was, and the sheep knew the voice of their own shepherd. And the sheep came out one by one and followed their own shepherd and continued on their journey. I think that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, my sheep, the people who know me as their shepherd, the people who've asked me to be their shepherd, to care for them, the people who understand that I'm the true shepherd and I'm going to give my life and die for the sheep, those people will hear my voice, they will know my voice, and they will follow me. Isn't it amazing? Those of us who have trusted Jesus, our hearts are knit to the shepherd. We recognize when he's speaking to us because that DNA has been planted in you. You hear and you know the call of your shepherd. And so the sheep would respond just as God loves us to respond to his word and to follow him. Now, when we look a little bit further in, number, in verse number 7, it's, then it says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So he's changing the metaphor now. He's, he's now talking about being a door. Now I think we need to stop here for a moment. Because there's a lot of religions across the world who would tell us that you can come to God anyway. There's a lot of religions that say, oh, so long as you come, you can just you can come any way you want. But Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There was only the one way, there is only the one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus said, I am the door. I mean, if you want to get into a room, you've got to go through the door. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. And he was, he was emphasizing this to uh, the people who were listening to him. And then he goes on to say, All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a harling, harling, or maybe your translation says a hard servant, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them the hard servant flees because he is a hard one and he doesn't care about the sheep i am the good shepherd and i know my sheep and i've known by my own as the father knows me even so i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep you know, I love this because there's so much beauty and truth in the story of a shepherd in, the, in biblical days, how they looked after the sheep. Because we've already looked at how if, if the shepherd had brought the sheep to a new area, he would have left them with a porter. But if he, if he was just at home, he himself would have stayed with the sheep in his own fold. But there was no door in the fold. There wasn't actually a door on the fold when the sheep were at home. The shepherd lay in the doorway. There wasn't a door, there was a doorway. And the shepherd actually lay in the doorway so that if anything was going to come, if a, a wolf or a wild animal was going to come to harm the sheep, he would have to get past the shepherd. What an amazing picture of how we as believers in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in the Saviour, Listen, there is nothing that can get past Jesus and get to you unless he lets it pass. And anything he lets pass, he can turn it around and he has a plan to turn it into great good and well-being for your soul. Because that's the kind of God that he is. Can you imagine a shepherd lying in the doorway and no matter what predator would have come, he was there ready to take that on. Remember in the Old Testament how David, do you remember David? He said he had killed the lion and the bear in order to save his sheep. That's the same heart of the Saviour. King David, 
Jesus was the greater son of King David. And anything good that David did, it was like a prophetic sign or, or picture up ahead as to what the heart of Jesus was like. And Jesus was like, is like the shepherd. He will fight for you. He will fight for you. Even fight the lion and the bear. You know, the lion in the Old Testament spoke of the world. Remember, it talks about how the lion goes about prowling to see whom he might devour. Jesus has already defeated the devil for you. And the, the bear in the Old Testament was a picture of the world. You know what the way a bear, a, how a bear kills you? It comes with, ever see it in the television, the cowboy films? It comes out, it stands up, it gets up on its big feet. Right? You with me? And it puts its arms around you and it chokes the death out of you. That's exactly what the world does. The world will try rise up and, and look as if it's about to embrace you. Come on, I'll give you everything you want. But you know, it will choke the very life out of you. But Jesus has defeated not only the lion, but the bear. He has defeated the world, the, the devil. He has defeated death. He has defeated everything that we need him to defeat. And so he is a wonderful, wonderful God. He is a God who is our great shepherd, our great shepherd that we can put our trust into. I love this Hebrews 13 verses 20 to 21. I'm going to read a wee bit of it from the message. It's talking about the God of peace. And it says, the God of peace who led Jesus, our great shepherd, up and alive from the dead. And now he's going to put you together. Put you together. Do you hear me? If you're feeling like you're all over the place, he wants to put you back together again. He wants to provide you with everything you need to please him. To make us what gives him most pleasure. God wants to put you back together again that you can do what he meant you to do at the very beginning and that's bring pleasure to God. God created you in his image that you would live a life that would bless you but bless him as well. That's the original plan and that's what God wants to do. He wants to put you back together again so that we can give him pleasure by means of by the means of sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah. And then it goes on to say in the message it says all glory to Jesus forever and always and then it says yes 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 god has plans for you to put you back together again the enemy wants to try and kill and steal and destroy you and we need to know who is the one who loves us who is the good shepherd uh, i was just uh, looking at this verse in the message from john 10 verses 11 to 13 here's what it says about the the enemy uh, Satan himself. He says, I am the good shepherd who puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hard man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf coming and he runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He is only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I'll tell you, any substitute that's not the saviour this, anything this world might offer you that might look attractive or might look as if it's, it cares about you, you need to know that there's only the true shepherd of the sheep who really cares for you, who has already given his life for you. He is the God who loves you. And so it, we see that he is speaking about being the door. He is the shepherd and he is the door. He's the way to God. He's the way in. He's the one who wants to look after you. And let's read this verse. The thief, Jesus said, doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Another translation says, have it to the full. God wants you to have life to the full. My Bible has a wee, a wee reading in here. Here's what it says. The word abundantly or to the full means superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus over and above more than enough profuse extraordinary god wants you to have an extraordinary life do you get that an extraordinary life that's what jesus died to give you and to give me above the ordinary more than sufficient we have a god who who, who sent his son to die for us a god who wants us to have life but, but the enemy the enemy of our souls wants to rob and kill and to destroy he wants to take everything good from you 
and he wants to destroy your life and he is a murderer from the beginning. Now, as we've looked down at these verses, I want to move just a little bit further now to verse 16, where it says, here's Jesus now, and here's what he's saying. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And so he's talking here about how he has come to lay down his life. But he's saying something very interesting. He's saying that he has other sheep. Now, I would love us to catch this, because I want this morning, with God's help, to try and show us a little bit more of the bigness of God's heart. Sometimes we think uh, really of our lives and of God working in our lives and we have a very micro view of it. We, 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 we seem to get ourselves locked in. I'd love to open out your understanding and your vision to see the heart of God, the God of the universe, who has always planned for the world to come to know Jesus as Saviour. You see, in the Old Testament, we hear a lot about God being the shepherd of Israel. And if you see in your notes there, you'll see that Psalm 80, it says, Hear, O Israel, hear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the, the cherubim, shine forth. Now, do you see how in the Old Testament, Jesus was spoken about as the shepherd of Israel. And so he was, because he called Abraham. Remember, he called Abraham, and from Abraham's family tree came Israel. And so, of course, he was the shepherd of Israel. Genesis 49 says, The shepherd of Israel is the rock of Israel. The shepherd, the rock of Israel. And then... Um, Ezekiel 34 says, where God's speaking to his people, he says, You are my sheep and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. Sovereign is a title of, uh, of royalty. He was the, the Sovereign Lord. So I want us to see, yes, do we understand, we've all got that, that, that he is the shepherd of the Old Testament, the shepherd of the Israelites. He called Abraham, and, but here's what he said to Abraham. He said that he wanted to bless Abraham and to make Abraham a blessing. Now, whenever we go to Israel, I remember a few years ago, we one of our guides, Halver at that time, and I remember Halver, the whole time we were there, he kept saying, you're blessed to be a blessing. And sometimes we just say, come on, keep the blessing coming. We just want the blessing coming. But we are actually blessed to give the blessing back. Blessed to be a blessing. And Abraham was called by God to leave everything and to follow God. And through Abraham was going to come all the, the Jewish people, all the Israelites were going to come through this one man. And God said that through Abraham he was going to bless all of the families of the world. Not just the Jewish people, but all the families of the world. So it was God's, it was God's plan right from the beginning that all the world would be blessed, not just the Jewish people. And as we go through the Gospel of John, we're talking very much about the Jewish people because they were the ones who, that God had promised he would send the Messiah through the Jewish people. But the Messiah, Jesus, was going to be born and going to go to the cross and die for our sins so that he would bless not just the Jewish people, but the whole world. That was always God's plan. And so he, he, he spoke to Abraham and he said, you're blessed uh, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. But look, ladies, there was always a way. There was always a way for, for an outsider, for the stranger, for the Gentile. Because we're all Gentiles. I think there's maybe one wee Jewess in here. Where are you? Uh, there's one wee Jewess in here and that's beautiful. There you are, Jeanette. We've got one Jewess here, but the rest of us are all Gentiles. And in the Old Testament, we were looked on as strangers. We did not belong to the commonwealth of Israel. 
But I want you to know that God always planned to bring us in. That his heart was always to bring us in. That this was his plan from the beginning. I love this. Exodus 12, 48. I'll have to look this up. I've got many scriptures today that I wasn't able to write them all on the page because I hadn't room. I was getting myself myself disorganised. So I'm going to just look this up. Exodus 12, and it's, it's starting at verse 48. And this was God's heart and his plan. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land. He, in other words, if you were a, a Gentile and you wanted to belong to God's people, you just had to come and be circumcised in the same way and you could be brought right close in and become part. God's plan and heart was always that we would be brought in, that we would be grafted in with the Jewish people. And I love, I love uh, Isaiah 56 where it says the same thing. It talks about, do, do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Don't say that, God says. A little bit further down, he says, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also, the son of the foreigner will join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring the holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. This is the foreigners' burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Isn't he just a wonderful God? The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others beside those who are gathered to him. He always planned for you and me to be part of his great big family. But he had to, he had to use the Jewish people to send Jesus to be the saviour of the world. And so Jesus is saying here, and we're, we're back to John chapter 10, and here's what he says, Other sheep I have, verse 16, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one flock and one shepherd. And so Jesus is, is saying very, very clearly that he's going to bless the world. He's going to bring in the, the others He's going to make he's going to make the two one. I love Ephesians. Once we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus was saying, I've come and I'm the shepherd of Israel. I'm the one that you've read about. He was looking at all these Jewish people. He was saying, I'm the one you've read about from the Old Testament. I'm the shepherd of Israel. But I have other sheep that you don't know about. And I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to die for the other sheep as well. And I'm going to bring you into one fold. There's going to be one fold and one shepherd. Jew and Gentile brought together. What a God we have, a God who brings together, a God who makes us one, a God whose heart is full of love, full of goodness, full of love, a God who loves us. Daniel 7 was written even way back then. Daniel was able to get little glimpses. And Daniel 7 says that there was, that God had given authorities and glory and sovereign power so that all nations and people of every language would come together. Always, throughout, if you look in your scriptures, it's full of it. And you know what? In the middle of it all, this is what I love. You know, Beth spoke about Ruth this morning. In the middle, in, in, in the middle of all of these prophetic, uh, these prophetic scriptures that were given in the Old Testament, that kept telling us, I'm the God of all nations. I'm the God of the big picture. I'm the God who wants to bring everybody into the kingdom. In the midst of all of that, what does he do? But he slips in a few wee Gentile girls as well. He slips them into the lineage of Christ. He brings in Tamar. Remember we talked about Tamar away back in Newcastle a couple of years ago. And then he slipped in uh, He slipped in Rahab. Remember in Jericho? Who would have thought he'd have slipped in a, a, a wee girl like Rahab that was called a prostitute? 
He slips them in because he loves us. And then he slips in another one. He slips in Ruth, the one that you've spoken about this morning. This is the God who loves you and who loves me. The God who wants to draw us in to his heart, into his house, into his heart, into his embrace. The God who wants to lift us up and love us. And he wants us to know what it is to walk with him and to be his sheep and to follow his voice because he has a path he wants to take you on. He's a shepherd who knows how to feed you and he's a shepherd who knows where he wants to lead you. He has a plan, he has a place to bring you to where he will feed you, where he will bless you, but where he will also make you a blessing. And so you need to be listening to the voice of the shepherd if you want to be brought into the fullness of the shepherd's plans for you. Because he's a good shepherd, he's a great shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep. And so as we look down these verses, and there's that many verses in here that I have scribbled that I can hardly even make sense of them all. Uh, but here's another one, Psalm 22. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Listen, we can look at the chaos in our world today. You need to remember, and so do I, that he rules over the nations. Do you know what? He's coming back. He is coming back. He's going to make an appearance some of these days. And listen, we need to get ourselves jigged up and to be in step with the shepherd. We need, to be, we need to be listening to his voice. What are you saying to me today? Where are we going today? Feed me, shepherd. Feed me and, and help me not only to be blessed, but to be a blessing. Help me to feed others. You feed me. Help me to feed others. God wants to give you purpose. You have a reason for being on this earth. You're not just here by chance. Jesus came to die for you, that you could fulfill the plan that he had written in his book for you before the beginning of the world. That's the kind of God that we have, the big picture. The God who has the big picture in mind, who is working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, there's a few other things that I really need to say here. So let's read on a little bit further. Verses 19 to 21 in John 10. It goes a little bit more about there being a division among the people. We're not going to even get stuck on that at all. Let them fight there. Let them, get, let them be divisive, whatever they can get on with it. Let's look a little bit further down. And it tells us then in verse 22, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and so on and so on well I'll read it anyway then the Jews surrounded him and said to him how long do you keep us in doubt if you're the Christ tell us plainly Jesus answered them I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name they bear witness of me but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me this is the verse I really wanted to to speak out very clearly today my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now, I tell you, this verse, these two verses are absolutely amazing. Did you notice I was saying that we're all being divisive? There was a division among them. You see, everywhere that Jesus went, there was division among the people. But Jesus was making it clear that the people who truly believed in him were one. They were one. We are one in Christ. We are not divided. We are one in Christ. And Jesus was saying that those who truly believed in him were not just one in Christ, but that they belonged to Christ. And that the enemy could never, 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 ever snatch them out of his hand. Now here's the picture, and I know you probably all know this, but I just want to say it again, because I think this is amazing. Here's what, God, here's what Jesus was saying. When you receive me and accept me as your shepherd, I make you one with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. Amen. You become one. 
If you read John 17, you'll, you'll hear Jesus speaking to his father and saying, Father, we are one. I'm in you and there and there. And so I haven't time to, I maybe will read this before the end, but John 17 is beautiful. It just points this out. But here's, here's what I want to say to you. He's saying, when you come to me and you accept me as your saviour, you become part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And here's what Jesus was saying. I place you in my hand. And Jesus is saying, I've got you. Nobody can pull you out of my hand. And then he's saying, you know what? I and my Father are one. So what's he saying? His hand is in the hand of the Father. So not only are you in the hand of Christ, but you're actually in the hand of the Father. I tell you, the enemy can't touch you. Why are we living in fear? Why do we allow fear to come and, and distress us and depress us? Why do we listen to the lies of the enemy? No one can harm us. We are safe in his hand and we can trust him for whatever comes our way because he is the good shepherd and he wants us to know that safe place. I've written in your notes, they could not be snatched by the enemy. If you've received Jesus as Saviour and Lord, you are held safe in the hand of Jesus. And what's more, since Jesus and his Father are one, you are also held in the hand of the Father. You are securely held. And just to prove a point, I am going to read you John 17. I, I just, I just, um, I'm just going to do it. All right? Just let's look very quickly. It's only a couple of verses. Here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking to his father. He's saying, I don't pray for these alone, but for also for those who will believe me through their word. That's for us. And here's what he's saying to his father, that they all may be one as you, father, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you give me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Do you get it? Do you get that? That your love, as much as God the Father loves God the Son, that's the same way that, that, that you're loved. That's the same way, the same way that God the Father loves God the Son. That's how he loves you. That's how God the Father and God the Son love you. And you're brought into that oneness. You are one in Christ and you are loved. No matter what's going on in your life today, no matter what's coming against you, no matter what's trying to perplex you or make you feel um, down or, or distressed I want to say to you today that you are loved and that you are securely held and we're going to sing that song at the very end not just yet but in a moment or two we're going to sing that song he will hold me fast because he's got you in his hand he will hold you fast and so here's the thing something to think and pray about amidst all the uncertainties of life this one thing remains constant God loves you and has given his life for your salvation. And as we close today, let's remember the story that Jesus himself told in Luke 15. I wanted to finish with this. In this story, Jesus wants us to understand his love and devotion to us. So here's the thing. I want, to, I want you to think of this story. The story in Luke 15. And I want you to think of your own life. This is the story, if you remember, where Jesus told a, a beautiful parable about how a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of the sheep went astray, got lost, was up in the mountain somewhere, was about to die. And you know, sheep on their own are in, in great danger. I remember one time standing in Donegal, out in the wilds of Donegal, and I remember looking across this valley, and there was a couple of sheep, and there was one standing on the ledge. And we, I was looking over, and I said to whoever was with me, my goodness, look where that sheep is standing. It looks... So it looks as if it's in real danger there. And as we were standing, the sheep just dropped. It just dropped its death down beneath. It was in a precarious place, you see. It wasn't with the shepherd. And you know, what a picture of how a sheep, when it gets away from the shepherd, is in danger. 
And so this beautiful story that Jesus told, there's one sheep and this one sheep has gone astray. And what does Jesus do? He tells the story so as to show the heart of God. And he says, you know, this shepherd loved all the sheep, but was prepared to leave the 99 safely in the fold. He's going to leave them at home and he's going to go out and, um, you know, we sing the song, there was 99, you know that song we all sing about? I wish I could quote the, word, the words of it because it's fabulous words. But I always, as a child, I used to imagine this shepherd going out in the snow and the storm and the shepherd going out and, and going through all the briars and the blood going out of the shepherd. You know, I could imagine it as a wee girl, you know, and, and climbing through these great big briars and pushing through. And finally, the shepherd finds this little sheep just in a real place of danger, just where this sheep could easily lose its life. And the heart of the shepherd has gone through all of this tremendous energy and fighting to get through. Maybe even had to kill a bear or two on the way up. Who knows? And the shepherd gets there and the sweat's rolling off him and maybe the blood's rolling off him and he sees this sheep and he reaches into the sheep and he lifts the sheep in his arms. And he has a love for the sheep because you know what? He risked his own life to save the sheep. And he lifts the sheep and you know what he does? He just puts the sheep just around his neck. Just the way you'd set a child on your shoulders. And he holds it safely and securely by the legs. And he carries it the whole cut home, we would say. He brings it home and he makes sure it's in comfort and it's fed and it's got something to drink. And he looks, he tends the shepherd. That's the heart of God for you. And here's what I, the way I want to finish today. I want you to think for a moment or two in silence of times in your life where you were in a dangerous place, where you had gone astray, where you had, had somehow got away from God or were in a place where you shouldn't have been. I want you to think of those times and I want you to remember the faithfulness of the shepherd who made his way to you. I tell you, I can think of many times in my life when through my own stubbornness maybe, or rebellion, or maybe stupidity, or maybe, you know, the sheep are very like us, aren't they? <laughs> There's a bit of a stupid thing about sheep sometimes. Wayward. Sometimes just, just things that happen that we never thought would happen, just naivety. And all of us have known times when we have been away from God and we've been in a dangerous place. And you know what? God and his love and grace has come. I want just to take a moment or two silence and I want, to think, want you to think of those moments in your life. And then we're going to give thanks to the heart of the shepherd who is faithful. Just take a moment or two before we close. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off in the cold and dark. <coughs> away in the mountains, wild and bare, away from the, the tender shepherd's care. Lord, thou hast here thy ninety and nine, are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, this of mine has wandered away from me. And although the road be rough and steep, I go to the desert to find my sheep. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night which the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. Out in the bleak desert he heard its cry, all bleeding and helpless and ready to die. Lord, whence are those blood drops all the way that mark out the mountain's track? They were shed for one who had gone astray, or the shepherd could bring him back. Lord, whence are thy hands so rent and torn? They're pierced tonight by many a thorn. And all through the mountains thunder riven, and up from the rocky steep, there arose a cry to the gates of heaven, Rejoice! I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne. Rejoice, 
for the Lord brings back his own. Lord, I thank you that you go after your own. I thank you, Lord, for the times in our lives when we, we went our own way. I thank you that you never stopped loving us. I thank you when it looked as though the enemy had defeated us and we were about to die. I thank you that your arm went after us. I thank you that you are faithful, that you're the shepherd who follows. I thank you that you are the shepherd who loves the sheep. I thank you for the love that you have for every woman in this room. And I thank you, Lord, for your word that says that we were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. God is interested in what's going on in your thinking, in your emotions. He's a God who loves your soul. He's a God who goes after you. A God who wants you to be able to say, it is well with my soul. He's a God who has given his life for the sheep. So Father, we thank you for your word today. And we pray, O oh Lord, just right now as we, as we come to sing our last song, I pray, Lord, that you would minister deeply to all of us because, Lord, so often we need to be reminded that you do hold us fast, that you don't let go, that you're a God who loves us and will continue to love us, a God who gives us purpose and joy, a God who feeds us, a God who restores us, a God who protects and shields us, a God who, who leads us on the right path to bring glory to him. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness to us this morning. And we just put ourselves into your hands now in Jesus' name. Let's just stand and let's sing this song together. You will hold me fast. You know, it's interesting that next week is um, St. Patrick's Day. And Patrick came to Ireland. Remember, he was a shepherd. He came to Ireland and God used his life to bring the gospel to Ireland. And you know, I just feel this morning that God wants you to know that he is your shepherd, but that he really wants you to delight in him, and he wants you to be blessed by him, but he wants you to bless others, and he wants you to spread the word. Patrick came and he spread the word in, in difficult, dire circumstances, as, as we know. But you know, in, in our life, in all of the stuff that goes on in our lives, God can be our shepherd. He can take us through the darkest and most difficult times. Many of us here have proved him. Maybe some of you are actually proving him even today. You're in a situation where you're proving his goodness as your shepherd and your shepherd king. He's the, he's the one who loves you is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's given his life for you. And you know, just as we leave today, and if anyone wants some prayer, we're here. Please come, let us pray for you. Let us be one together, one body in Christ, and let's pray for each other and love upon each other. But you know, as you go, remember that you're carrying the blessings of the King of Kings, of the great shepherd of the flock, and that he wants you to carry those blessings and bless those around you. In Jesus' name, amen. We won't see you next week. Don't forget, don't come next week. But all being well, we'll see you the following week.